In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. You have indeed found no proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. This week on the show, we chat with Amy Ashton, producer of La Jolla Playhouse's Without Walls Festival, which is coming up this month, running April 21st through the 24th at San Diego's Liberty Station. It's the longest-running theater festival of its kind here in the United States, and this marks the beginning of an annual cycle for the festival. Very excited to check in with Amy about some of the shows and just how the festival all comes together. That's coming up in just a bit. Then solo performer Siobhan O'Loughlin, whose voice you just heard a second ago, will be here to chat about the upcoming remount of her piece, Every Day I'll Hope, which returns to L.A. this month. But first... Want to give a shout out to our latest Patreon backer, Neitherworld. We are um, we're marching towards a couple of big milestones. We're at 379 uh, patrons right now, so we're just 21 away from a big 400, and we're just 155 dollars a month in uh, monthly pledges away from hitting the halfway mark to what we call our our fully sustained setup. So. Not, not too shabby, uh, particularly in this day and age. So thank you all. And of course, we'll have the thanks for our sustaining backers towards the end of the show. And now here's Catherine with this week's headlines. This is Catherine Yu, executive editor of No Persinium, And here's what's in your immersive headlines for April 1st. Well, file this under unexpected. Meta's social VR app Horizon Worlds now boasts a Wendy's? Starting April 2nd, the fast food chain will open its own Wendyverse, hosted right on Horizon Worlds. Judging from the trailer, the virtual world will boast a 3D rendition of a Wendy's location, a basketball court, an interactive t-shirt cannon, a fountain spewing what I can only hope is mustard, and other games to play with your friends. The Wendyverse announcement comes hot on the heels of McDonald's filing a series of patents, all related to a virtual McDonald's where consumers can order and get real food delivered to their homes. McDonald's isn't the only one looking to bring quick-service restaurants into the metaverse. Panera Bread has also filed patents for their Paneraverse, which would allow you to download virtual Panera dishes to be used in virtual worlds. In other VR news... Starting this fall, Arizona State University will create a new graduate degree program centered on the creation of new narratives through emerging tech and virtual production. The brand new Center for Narrative and Emerging Media, NEM, will be housed in downtown Los Angeles in the newly renovated Herald Examiner Building and led by none other than the godmother of VR herself, Noni De La Pena. Joining Noni De La Pena will also be Mary Matheson, a formerly UK-based XR director, as the first official employee of the NEM. The program is a collaborative effort between the Herberger Institute for Design and the Arts and the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Applications for the new Masters in Narrative and Emerging Media will open this spring. 
And also in VR news, fans of The Underpresents are celebrating right now. The indie game studio behind the project, Tenderclaws, has announced that live performers will be returning to the celebrated virtual reality game. The current run is scheduled to begin April 1st and will last for a period of at least two months. In general, players can expect to serendipitously run into the Raptors in the game's multiplayer hub, mostly during afternoons and nights specific time. Full disclosure, Tenderclaws is a former employer of mine. And these have been your immersive headlines. One of the highlights of any year here at No Persinium is when we get to go down to San Diego and check out the Without Walls Festival. It is the festival of site-specific and responsive, and you know, we'll, we'll get into all that later, uh, produced by the La Jolla Playhouse. Uh, traditionally, it is a biannual festival, but it is shifting into an annual mode, and that is kicking off with this year's, I think. I hope I'm getting this right. I'll get corrected in a second if I'm wrong. We have Amy Ashton, who is a producer of the Without Walls Festival with us, and it's coming up at the end of April, which I believe when this drops is this month. So it's right around the corner. Hey, Amy. How's it going? Hi, I, it's it's going well. It's busy but good, and you are you are absolutely correct. We are we are coming back uh, after the last festival. The last full festival was in 2019, and then this this year will launch, and we will be back in 2023 and annually from there on. Fantastic, making up for lost time. Um, you were brought in during the pandemic, uh, and you, there was some pop-up wow action happening, I know, because I, I went down to check it out. Uh, but are you excited to be throwing your first full force without walls? I, excited is, is, a, is, a, is a, a, an understatement. I am so, so beyond excited and, and just been really dreaming of this moment since I did my first interview with the Playhouse talking about the without walls as something that I could be a part of. So that was 2019. So, um, so yeah, no, it feels, it feels incredibly exciting. And I feel really lucky that we're, that we're where we are and barreling very quickly towards the festival. Well, and, and let's get into some of the details of the festival. Cause you've put together, you know, you, it can have been easy. We'll get into that a little bit later, but you've put together a really incredible mix here of folks coming in internationally, local folks, folks from elsewhere in the region. Um, and, and we'll crack into like sort of your vision for the festival as a whole. But I do want to kind of drill in and start with some specifics first, because it's my show and I can do that. And we'll go back and forth mm-hmm. between. So the first one I want to ask you about is one of those international pieces. Uh, and I'm going to butcher this and you're going to correct me. It's going to be great. Se parla, se parla. I just messed it up even worse than I did in the free. <laughs> say this one for me. This is coming from France. It's say parla, say parla. Say parla, say parla. As you can all tell, exactly. I did not take French in high school. I took Latin. Uh, Which they, they define as it's not here, it's over there. Okay, okay. Not not here, over there. Okay, very good. So um, uh, tell us about this piece because I'm, I'm curious about uh, it and, and them coming in from France. Yeah, this is a really unique piece um, uh, coming from coming from Galmet, which is a, a French company, and um, Ju Young Lee, who is a, a Korean-born French citizen, who has created this piece. Um, it's a it's an installation in a, in essence that becomes an interactive performance. Uh, so there is in this a a large um, 
collection of strings that are installed during the daytime into this kind of large uh, nest, as it might as it may be. And then, um, and then in the evening, uh, you know, as soon as it's gotten fully dark, uh, you know, the, the 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 crowd can gather and be, and it's a participatory experience of kind of that, you know, human knot game, but oh. with an enormous field full of strings. So you're, you know, so folks are given bricks where they can spool the string and try and 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 in essence, you know, take down the installation cooperatively together. Um, it's got lots of ritual to it. It's imbued with this sense of kind of, it, I think it's newly in this post, you know, in this time of post shutdown and coming back together, you know, to really have a moment to work together with strangers and, and be a part of this community kind of problem solving moment that, uh, that is really, really special. So almost like a, almost like a folk game, uh, like a large scale folk game, like the kind of thing you might play with like a couple of people, but done en masse. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Again, like, so where it takes on almost like a ritualistic experience, it's got like the sounds and all the kind of things that, uh, you know, really give you that, that sense of place and that, that moment to, you know, explore and communicate either verbally or non-verbally with the people around you to try to figure it out. I'm I'm so glad I kicked off with that one. Cause like that, that is so, that is so up our alley here. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really, I mean, again, I I have yet to experience it, but I'm very, you know, every time I talk to the, the group, they're in there so intentional about the material and how it works and what to work, how it works with the environment around it. And, and you know, really kind of making sure that, it, you know, the intentionality around it is really, really moving. So I'm, I'm so, I can't wait. Now that's a piece coming from a French company. And as you mentioned, a, a Korean born French citizen creator that, y'all are bringing over to San Diego. Uh, the next one I want to ask about is from San Diego's own Blind Spot Collective, and that's Black Seance. Now, Blind Spot's had work in the festival before. What's this one going to be? So for so Black uh, so Black Seance, which is coming through Blind Spot Collective, and uh, and yes, they 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 in 2019 did a, a piece that was set in a um, sprawling throughout a, a high school actually that's on the campus of Liberty Station. This is going to be much, much more contained and much more, I don't know, it, it's definitely made for an adult audience. The, the setting of this space is um, like, a, they keep saying like a, new, a back alley New Orleans bar. Mm. So it, it's got, it's much smaller, much more intimate. And um, there is a bartender there, Francis, who um, is also an amateur magician, which there is like actually a lot of history in this, in this um, kind of, kind of, career path I guess from a time and um and as as an amateur musician he actually ends up becoming a, a channel for many of the black American history heroes uh and so the performer actually has I want to say something like 25 different people Whoa. that he can channel um and so throughout each performance will be different each performance will have a different set of visitors and then that will of course imbue it with a different story so the audience is really going to be a part of that uh that kind of séance moment of of really kind of just talking about the stories that that are so easily either swept under the rug or have been told by the wrong voices or the you know you know the the, the through the through history books in a way that is meant to make the right, the, the right or the wrong people feel really good about themselves, and so 
but you know, kind of having this really honest moment of just going through and, and how, how these ancestors have really, you know, also imbued our, our character, but also our history as, as any of us. So I think it'll be a really, um, a really fun and kind of, I don't think scary, but perhaps spooky um, feelings, you know, of, of kind of descending into the, into a bar and into this uh, more liminal world of, uh, of, of history. So, so, things are being set up to like either the, you found or like evoke that speakeasy sense. And then, and then exactly. it's going to be and it, about how many people, what's the audience size on this one? Not to, um, I, I believe we're at, like, I want to say 30 to 40 people. Okay. So it's right. small, intimate, but not like one at a time or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you want to feel like you're at a bar, you know, but okay. it's definitely got that uh, gap. Like a, 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 de- a decent size room, but not, not quite. Cause I, cause once you started going down, I started to think like, oh, there's there's a bit of like, you know, like a seance actually has about like eight or nine people like around a table type thing. So not not quite that, but but somewhere somewhere in the ballpark. So okay. Yeah, I think that there's there's plenty of way to feel like you're still an audience member and not just not completely in the middle of, of creating the moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um this you know, this piece is coming out of a, a San Diego based company. Uh the other one coming from France. Talk to us a bit about the balance between local companies and the international visitors, uh, you know, which is always always a, an interesting challenge in any year, but like right now made all the more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say, while Blind Spot Collective is an, is a local company, there uh, the piece itself is actually written by Richard, written and directed by Richard Allen and starring Nathan Nonhoff. And they're actually two artists who live in LA. Um, which is which is kind of you know I mean I feel like for us we're starting to think of our corridor of of region like our LA San Diego Tijuana kind of region to like really want to because we are we you know as you said it it, it is a balance for us it's very important to the festival and to the playhouse that we continue to invest and foster the local talent and I think that there are artists who have stayed in San Diego or who have been interested in making this art because there's a place for it to go. Um, and so really wanting to, to make sure that there's always space to honor that and to see companies that as, you know, year after year, their proposals or their ideas become more and more, you know, strong, more strongly aligned with what, what we have all come to think of as wow and what the wow shows are. Um, but then also knowing that, you know, we, it's important to then bring in the, the both national and international artists so that the festival has has every has a little bit of everything. It continues to pull perspectives and audiences from you know outside of, of our of our region necessarily. So it's it is a balancing act, <laughs> um, to say the least. And, you know, and we are, are especially as we look towards and one of the blessings of moving to an annual festival is being able to have a little bit longer lead time with some projects to say like oh this project sounds great but like maybe it needs a year and a half of development as opposed to four months to get up and so we've been rethinking what that means as we as we calibrate towards the annual models so we've got you know uh we also are so lucky to be at the arts district at liberty station which comes with its own bevy of incredible artists that that work there and that have studios there um we have a bunch of dance companies between john malishock who was a part of the last festival and um san diego ballet 
and San Diego Dance Theater, as well as uh, Rosenbox, which is going to be a new company. So we're, you know, it also, there's also something really lovely about hyper-local at the venue, also having those kind of artists featured along with San Diego artists, and then U.S. artists, and then international artists. So it's, it is, it's, a, it's a lot, a lot of uh, fun playground to play in. We'll stay on the international front for a second. Uh, want to ask about a show from a company that uh, some no pro, no pro listeners uh, might be familiar with, the company being Outside the March, uh, who are, memory serves like they're up in Toronto. Um, my brain sometimes doesn't work, so maybe I got that wrong. But um, this one is Lessons in Temperament. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that one. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Lessons in Temperament is is just a really beautiful experience. Um it's a, it is set in front of a piano. It's actually quite um, simple as far as one might think of the land of, you know, kind of outside the march and wow. Um, and this is the performer and the writer, James Smith, is a um, musician. And as a part of, you know, of like a day job side hustle, he learned how to tune pianos and, uh, and has found his own kind of philosophy and storytelling device in the process of tuning a piano. So the, the piece takes place in front of an untuned piano. And over the course of the piece, he will, he tells the story of his family, which is um, full of neurodiversity and um, a lot of life challenges. And it's, he's really got beautiful openness with how he discusses his, his, his own journey along with his brother's journey. Um, and all the while he is tuning the piano, as you can imagine, there's a lot of metaphor involved in that, and uh, and and at the end, uh, you know, you end up with a the uh, wherever the story has landed, and it has changed since he started performing it. As his life has continued to uh, to change, and his family's life has continued to change, and so that uh, it, it will then kind of conclude with a beautifully tuned piano and, and an incredible story. So it it is uh, it's really really it's one of the ones that stuck with me one of the few ones that I was able to see in full because of a video of it and, and stuck with me so, so deeply. So I'm really, really honored that they'll be, they'll be here for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get a chance to, to see their work here. Like that's something I love about festivals is you get to kind of be, if you're, if you're local or, or near local, cause I'm in, I'm in the corridor as it were, um, yes. <laughs> you, you get to kind of be lazy and just like it comes to you. you know? So like, that's, that's mm. what I love about having, having wow, like right here is just like, Oh great. Like I'll pop down for a day or two and, and, and catch as much as I can. Um, stay on music, but also staying on, uh, you know, friends of no pro Mr. And mischief. Uh, that would be Andy and Jeff Crocker, uh, their secret identities. They're bringing a brand <laughs> new piece. Um, we we are massive fans of the work they've done. Uh, you know, they they popped up Escape from Gatto at the Hollywood Fringe years ago. It was an absolute revelation, and just been a massive fans ever since. They've got a brand new piece, Forty Watts from Nowhere, uh, set in like a pirate radio station. Uh, what can you tell us about this one? Uh, which which would be enough for oh, me to yeah. like drag my carcass out of LA all on its own. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a really really fun one. They are they are so, such really remarkable creators. Um, they actually have been working with um, the re- a real life subject Sue Carpenter, who um, has has gifted them the ability to uh, tell tell the story of her pirate music sta- pirate radio station, which she ran out of her closet in her apartment in LA, I believe in Silver Lake. 
Um, and so this actually transports the audience back to 1995 with all of the amazing bells and whistles that come with it um, and, a, and a closet full of music. And the um, audience members are given a chance to run the radio station as well as experience her story. There are a number of different ways that you, uh, so the audience I think is four, four to five people. I'm saying that out loud and as I freeze. Some very small, intimate audience. Uh, and and they will they will they will be working together and uh, to keep the radio station running and also you know kind of interact with members of things in the apartment to uh, experience really what it was like to be Sue or one of her one of her DJs that uh, that helped her out it was it's an incredible story and incredibly uh, the best way to explore it is through the music I did a little test play with them a couple weeks ago and I just had permagrin like every it's just it just hits all the buttons it's, it's so much fun I was like looking through songs and then thinking about you know her incredible bravery because it was all you know pretty illegal so <laughs> um it just it's it, it's a romp as one would imagine from Mr. Mischief uh you know in, in really their, their signature style yeah, and romp's definitely an operative word when it comes to the Crocker's work. There's just like this massive sense of play and surprise. And um, also I think that something that's kind of nifty is, and, and thank God it's public now, <laughs> um, you know, Andy was off working on Galactic Star Cruiser for a long time. And oh. what, um, oh, you didn't, did you not know that? Oh, I did know that. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. No, it's public now. Uh, um, for a second, your reaction, I was like, "Oh, wait, do you not know?" Um, and it's it, it, this. It sort of fascinates me in kind of a oh, how fun way, like that. We have folks who are working on these really large scale, you know, corporate projects, and who are also coming around and making original, intimate, uh, interactive work, and and that that the 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 dream is happening in real time when i look at this schedule you've put together um when i look at the schedule you've put together i also i see just like this a really broad collection without walls has always been interesting because it, it feels like the the critical thing has been in the name right that like it, it needs to be theater that doesn't obey the usual rules of theater somehow like it's site specific or site responsive how big of a tent do you pitch here? What's what's the scope in terms of all the different flavors of not traditional proscenium theater that that folks are going to find? It's it's uh, another another one of our many things that we work on in the in the world of balance. I would say because it's in, in constantly a question. You know, when we're talking about projects or things we've seen. And saying like, okay, is this without walls? <laughs> is it? Is this in the wow world? And like, you know, I, beyond just the, you know, it when you see it feeling. Like, I think that one of the ways we're really honing in is like, no, something that gives the audience something that challenges the perception of, you know, kind of outside of our normal. Everybody's very familiar. You buy a ticket. You show up, especially if you're like a subscriber at the Loyola Playhouse, you show up, you park, you get to the theater, you sit in your seat, maybe the same seat you sit in every time, you know, the lights go down, the curtain comes up, you sit and you watch the show. And then that part is the surprising part. And I think for Without Walls, you know, having the ability to find art that imbues every moment in some kind of an interest or, a, you know, a little bit of 
outside of the uh, outside of the norm. You know, I mean, we we really do span from dance, music, contemporary art, uh, street, you know, street theater. Uh, to, you know, some of the more what we think of as like specific or immersive stuff, which is typically indoors, oftentimes limited in ticket numbers. So making sure that we're also serving audiences, like serving as uh, offering, serving as diverse an audience as we're trying to present in, in, with, with artists as well. So really thinking about, you know, OK, if you hate interaction. Is there something for you at WOW? If you right. if you want to be yeah. if you want to be deep into it and you want to touch everything and you want to open every drawer, is there something for you? So you know, trying to find a really broad way that all of this art can appeal to folks. And you know, you never know then if you show up to see the cool weird dance piece on the hub, and then maybe somebody gets you into you know into a show into a show where you're all of a sudden inside of it and push people a little bit farther and, and get get that kind of open that sense of what we think of when we think of theater, which can feel a little stodgy. I don't think our theater feels stodgy, but if you don't get up there, then, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you, you kind of stick in that world. So this is one that I hope, particularly for people who may not even buy a ticket, who may just be going to Trader Joe's or decided to go to Liberty Station to take a walk with their kids on a Saturday. And then all of a sudden they have a day full of art in front of them that they can appreciate without ever having to plan and without having to know in advance. So that's, I think, one of the facets that's really exciting to me. And then, of course, it's incredibly, you know, uh, gratifying to have the boutique shows come to life. And, like, the difference between star, the Galactic Star Cruiser and what I what I like to refer to as our scrappy, our scrappy style here, <laughs> to be able to kind of create these environments uh, in a way that is, that is theatrically interesting and also like has that festival feel that that is kind of really special and different than say a sit down piece where they you know they have the budget and the ability to run for three months and charge people one hundred fifty dollars a head. Yeah. All of that has value, but this is what this is. I feel like is very special to kind of preserve. Well, and one of the things you know that that I'm that I love about Wow is is that ability to see that complete all those different layers of of this world kind of stacked up on top of each other at once so that you know you turn a corner and oh yeah here's here's this like spectacle outdoor performance uh that's that's very very strange coming out of germany and then you know head head you know two blocks in the other direction and you get this very meditative um you know uh traversal theatrical piece um or pop into a gallery and i remember there was one piece i can't remember the name of it right now but it's it was an absolutely beautiful piece in 2019 where the artist was you know drawing on my arm and like wiping things away and like illustrating a story i was listening to it was their yeah. story i was listening to um and illustrating it on me in real time and it was just just beyond magical uh and really really moving it was a, it was a refugee story and like I, when, when as i started that I, I i pulled my sleeve back as i was telling you that because like it's <laughs> yeah. the story's still in my body right that's amazing right like that memory is still really there and so that that the wow can be like such a canvas for this and i think the thing that i'm maybe hoping for the most is to 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 
not only for the folks who are here in in the region to come down and check it check it out, but because you know it's it's a three day run. I'm, I hope maybe some of the stuff can can find life beyond. How how do you see the festival's role in uh, as as like a as a marketplace or as like somewhere like a some something that can see to this kind of work or help cultivate this kind of work beyond even even the bounds of the festival itself? Uh, yeah, we're I mean, that's that's something that's always part of the dream. And I believe there have been a couple of of, of festival pieces that have found brief life outside of the festival. Um, but certainly for us, I think a, a major goal is to have this work because four days is so short and not, and some of the pieces only perform on the weekend. So then there's just two days and, and you know, that ephemeral magic gives you something, but obviously we want it to, to grow or to find life or to be experienced around the country and around the world. Um, and we're always talking to our contemporaries in the other, I think there are a lot of now other regional theaters, other commercial interests that, that this, this, this festival, this idea of this kind of work, which is very common, you know, they spend all summer in every city in Europe, you know, having festivals that are, that celebrate this kind of work and the, and the, and groups come in from different countries and do their piece and then it travels and they create these little tours. And, and we are, you know, we're really working with uh, the other, 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 other players in this game to be better connected. You know, I'm talking to uh, one of the curators of under the radar and how how siloed I feel like in the U.S. sometimes we can be so much so that all of our festivals happen pretty far apart in dates. And it's like, well, maybe we should think about that because, you know, we could, we could be creating a more, um, a more cohesive and, 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 um, in, and an environment that kind of sets, sets the work up to be able to continue. Because I do think that one of the challenges is just getting through the festival is, you know, a huge labor for particularly some of the like local companies that sometimes are run by one or two people. Yeah. And so then to have the energy and ability and availability to then try to market it and push it out or develop it or, you know, hustle and get to, whatever APAC or whatever thing is just, you know, it, there's not a nice bridge there. So really as an institution wanting to help figure out a way to, you know, give life beyond the wow festival um, and, and foster those and bring, bring in those uh, collaborators and those curators to, to make sure that's being what's happening here. So that we can be a little more mindful um, as a cultural institution in the to, to really open up those opportunities. Yeah. Well, and and it's something, particularly on the West Coast here, like something that's always kind of boggled my mind is you know there's an opportunity to create a, a circuit uh, on mm-hmm. the West Coast of and and this is even back when I wasn't focused on you know immersive or interactive theater, just like theater in general, and that and that it, it everyone still kind of remains siloed in the in their different regions, and yet we've got you know. In theory, you could just put things on I five and drive it up the coast. You know, it's like it's not absolutely, and there right. isn't a there isn't a you know it's not it's I, I you know I my my very personal internal experience is it's certainly not like commercially vi- it's not like we're like anybody's worried that there's uh, overlap in audience or that having it somewhere else is going to devalue it here. Oh, it's, there's I, so little saturation. Like it's barely. Yeah, no, yeah. no. It, it's truly just, I think everybody, everybody's operating at their, at like 110%. So like mm-hmm. getting and, and it, bridging that gap when we set up, when you, once you set it up, it actually is going to alleviate a lot of that 
particular, I mean, it certainly can help budgetarily, but just like so many things can become a lot more achievable if we start to spread out those resources a little bit more. But, uh, but it's that building that bridge that, that it requires, it requires a whole apparatus, you know? Yeah. Well, and something that'll help make that a possibility is if we get everyone listening who is within range of San Diego to come through to wow and check out the work there will be something for you there i can pretty much guarantee it so if you yeah. are if you're within Come the sound down. yeah you're in the sound of my voice and and you know anywhere in the corridor uh make your way make your way that weekend arizona too you're not far <laughs> <laughs> no not that far at all vegas yeah <laughs> swing through swing through swing through come on over amy it's so great to be able to talk to you about this on the show and i'm so looking forward to it Yes, I'm so, so happy to talk to you. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Patrick McLean, the Chicago curator with No Presenium. Each week we publish our review rundown, gather to record an episode of Review Crew, uh, and discuss all the things that we're seeing and buzzing about currently. But it is here, and only here on the No Proscenium podcast, where we reveal this week's pick of the week. And today's pick is brought to us by... Hi, this is Laura Hess, the arts editor. And Laura, what is the pick? Oh, I'm so excited for this one. This production is I Agree to the Terms, and this is by the Builders Association in collaboration with M Turk Workers, and we'll get to that in a minute. And it is currently presented by NYU Skirball. This is an online production. Uh, folks can do this from anywhere, from home. It is $15, and the run is currently through just this weekend, April the 3rd. So don't snooze on this. Yeah, drop what you're doing. Uh, stop in the middle of traffic, book your <laughs> tickets. Uh, parallel park safely. But Laura, <laughs> more importantly, why should they stop in the middle of traffic and book their ticket? What makes this the pick of the week? So this is a very difficult assignment right now because I would love to talk at length about this production. I will try to keep it succinct. Um, it is, and on that note, this is just a 45-minute runtime, this production. So again, this can fit into your schedule, hopefully anywhere. Um it is absolutely a blistering and brilliant production. It is rooted, the narrative foundation for I Agree to the Terms is rooted in the Mechanical Turk, which I actually did not know historically what this was, and I won't spoil that part. Where this plays a role in this particular production is that the Mechanical Turk term was resurrected by Amazon. And it's actually mm. a platform that consists of jobs outsourced online. And there's some incredible detail, again, just really jam-packed about the history of the internet and bringing us full steam to where we are right now. And then incorporating elements of the Mechanical Turk platform as presented by Amazon. And you get into the different ethical black holes around this. And this is where actual M-Turk workers 
are a part of the live performance. I should also clarify, this is done via Zoom. You do need a computer and you also need your phone. This is very interactive and it is a fascinating deep dive into, in a very concentrated way, into the MTurk platform and the people that are known as Turkers. So it is absolutely designed for and about the internet. This is a a digital production. It needs to be experienced online. And it is absolutely a prime example of remote theater at its most innovative and engaging. I highly, highly recommend this production. Well, yeah, and I think there's always room for pieces that explore the digital space and the world of technology using that very technology. I think that's so cool and definitely uh, has my interest peaked. And hopefully I can, hopefully I snag a ticket before everyone else does because we're recording a few days earlier. But Laura, thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving us this pick. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And everyone, don't forget, you can find the review rundown at noproscenium.com. And this week's Review Crew podcast is just one spot back in your podcast feed. Shivana Loughlin. Hey, Noah. It's, uh, it's been a, almost a year since we had you on the show. It has been almost a year. I, it was last summer, I think, that I... um. I got to talk to you on this podcast. Yeah, that was episode 299. So it was right before we were shifted the format for the summer. Now we're, we're kind of halfway between the, the new format and the old format. But um, this, this will be like, it's, it's, been, it's been a minute. We, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. We're <laughs> often between formats, yes. Noah. It's a, it's a formatting yeah. structure. I get it. Life. Exactly. Um, you had a show last summer. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the fact that it, it went away for a bit. I think, I think everyone can figure out why, what happened. Uh, we can get the details <laughs> if we want. But but before we, we do any of that, uh, the show is called Everyday All Hope. And it was the thing you were about to do the last time we had you on the show. So tell us about the show again. And then uh, talk to us a little bit about, like, you know, wh- what you learned in the first run. How about that? Absolutely. So the piece is a, uh, it's a solo performance in a voiceover booth in Studio City for an audience of four people at a time. And uh, it's about a character I created called, uh, her name is Bambi. And she is uh, an e-girl um, Twitch uh, TikTok star with a serious case of imposter syndrome. Um, she, uh, all she wants to do is uh, break out of her current uh, monotony um, to uh, become an audiobook uh, uh, producer as opposed to a um, sort of a, someone who's be- beholden to the social media grind, as it were. Um, she sometimes identifies as a, as a kitten avoiding capitalism, um, but she's not very good at avoiding the capitalism. So she, uh, her way of sort of having a sense of, of power and control in her life is to um, write, direct, engineer, and produce her first um, audiobook with a cast of four people, which is the audience. So the audience comes in um, and they're, you know, they're seated by the usher who then goes to get the engineer, which is, you know, someone who 
listen, I'm a voice actor. I've been in the industry for, you know, seven years. This this character does not look like any audio engineer I have ever <laughs> encountered. Um, so it's a, a fun sort of reveal to kind of bring her in. And uh, because, as I mentioned, she has imposter syndrome, the, the truth of the matter is that she actually hasn't written a, a, a damn thing. So um, she's um, scrambling to sort of devise this piece with the audience while... Um, uh, telling her story and also soliciting um, experiences from the audience to contribute to her book, which she hopes to be a, a fantasy novel, like some of the worlds that, that she loves to escape to. I got to experience the show. It, it all it all comes together, like actually in a way that's kind of like surprising. And for those of us who know your online work, uh, it's, it, well, it's interesting because like I've seen some of your online work. Um, uh, and I've seen your, the, the show you toured around the country, Broken Bone Bathtub, uh, at one of the beginning of, of, I think the long touring process. And, and this is definitely, you know, in between, I think those two poles. So, um, what did, what did you learn from the, that, those, those two shows that led you to the format you've got here where you, you've got something that feels you know, there's some distance and some performative and there's some technical, you know, stuff going on. Whereas in Broken Bone Bathtub, it's just you in a bathtub. Uh, but there's also a lot of, you know, kind of story pulling and thread pulling out of the audience, which is a lot of uh, of what made Broken Bone Bathtub so, so incredible on that run. Thank you. Thanks, Noah. Um, you know, it's interesting. It is. It does feel like a hybrid or a merging of the, the, the two projects. And, um, you know, Broken Bone, actually everything that I do is sort of out of necessity or out of just the whatever tools I have at the time. So when I was um, wanting to move to an in-person uh, production last year, when everything was kind of opening back up, I thought um, I was trying to think of what, what kind of spaces I even had access to here in L.A. And as I mentioned before, being a voice actor, I'm friends with Andrew Feliciano, who owns Voice Tracks West. And I was like, hey, man, can I like make a show in your booth? And he's like, what's the show? And I said, can I just come see it? I don't know. Um, I just want to try something. And so uh, so really, in the, as with Broken Bone, it's a story about my bike accident and how I was truly borrowing bathtubs from friends and then please don't touch was like well okay I guess all of my broken bone performances are canceled so I guess I'll try to figure out something you know online um this everyday I'll hope is similar in in its form and I sort of move backwards where I say okay the medium is going to be um this space either the bathtub the zoom squares or the voiceover booth so then uh what's the narrative what's the what's who's the character who am i and most importantly you know why in this space who are who's the audience in this space what's the reason mm. right for yeah. that and so um uh, and, and when I thought about, you know, voiceover and the most fun parts of voiceover, obviously, are animation and um, audiobooks and characters and, and audiobooks that have lots of actors in them are good fun, really, right? The ones that are like highly produced. And at first, when I thought about sort of using this audiobook narrative, I was like, oh, maybe it would be fun to, to like give the audience assignments beforehand, like to the of who their character is. So they'll come in kind of as that character or having thought about that character. But when I thought about my work with Please Don't Touch as well as with Broken Bone Bathtub, I thought, you know, I think actually what I do best is encourage people to be themselves. 
And there are lots of different kinds of immersive um, experiences that encourage you to really step outside of yourself or to become someone else or to uh, contribute to someone else, to listen to someone else. And I think um, what I do is specifically is is about um, is is focused in our, our genuine vulnerability and our humanity um, that allows us to speak so that we can also listen uh, to each other. So the sort of co-storytelling that you're talking about that happens inside of Everyday I'll Hope is intentional. It's me thinking about how I can use this voiceover space and this kind of audio experience to create the kind of intimacy that I created with Broken Bone Bathtub in a tiny little bathroom and with Please Don't Touch in in a um, in another in a different way. You had the the truncated run in 2021. Was there anything you learned on that run that that that's caused you to like make some modifications this time? Or? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, you talked about the technical elements. Uh, what was really nice about doing this was the the challenge of um, <laughs> you. I learned a lot doing Please Don't Touch. Uh, still doing Please Don't Touch about um, camera work and technical work and running my own lights. You know, as I do. And now in uh, Everyday I'll Hope, I run my own lights. I run my uh, soundboard and I am engineering the show truly. So um, the audience actually forgets if I'm quite sneaky, if I'm doing a really good job, they forget that they are actually being recorded, even though they consent to being recorded when they when they go in. Um, and so like, like at a certain point, they just assume that that's that's a gag, even though they've they've signed away. Yeah. <laughs> like so you really are being recorded. It's like, no, no, we're, clearly we're not. And then like you find out, no, no, you were. Which was advice from the Speakeasy Society. Actually, they were like, you know, people in L.A. could be really intense about like, am I in a booth and you're recording my precious voice? You know, so I'm like, you <laughs> are consenting to me recording your voice. I will throw this audio away. I can't keep it, um, but it's uh, it's you know for the purpose of the of the show. Um, so you know, I think a, a few things. I I ultimately feel that I've I've learned about um, what is special about creating a very specific audio experience. I mean, I try to make it as visual as I can with my lights and with Bambi herself. She's a she's certainly the most visual character I've made. I mean, you know, and and a, my first time really performing in person as a as a character in my solo work, although she is, of course, one exaggerated version of myself. Um, but really leaning into, um, this is the, also the first piece where I have a full a full score. The entire um, um, performance is um, composed by my brother, is underscored. And uh, we, and I worked hard for the first time in kind of helping sort of make this an audio, something that is pleasant for the ears and exploring how that pleasant space in your head allows you to be vulnerable because it's just like kind of in your head, you know? If you take the headphones off, you can't hear Bambi anymore. Like you, you're literally in a soundproof booth. So I learned a lot about what that kind of, that a, a different kind of intimacy, one where unlike Broken Bone, where you're literally touching me, you're not close to me at all, but I'm like so, I can whisper to you and I can turn my mic off and I can scream really loud and that doesn't hurt your ears or get really weird. Um, and so it's allowed me to really think about um, how uh, how to explore that particular experience that is also in person, right? That isn't, that's not a recording I'm sending you or something happening um, remotely. It's really, it's a, it's kind of circular in that way of the giving and, and receiving. So the show's coming back. You you had a you got hit by Delta, and then Omicron decided to like hang around afterwards. 
And I don't know anything about the the pandemic messing up uh, scheduling on events, but no, uh, you've never had that kind no, of trauma. Not, not, not Let me once. tell you all about it. It was so yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It's a. You know, some of us got hit, Noah. Yeah. Some of us. Some. Some. But um, you're 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 back now. You're back. Yeah. So we're doing a just um right now. I think maybe just for the month of April. It's so hard to plan these things. And honestly, if anyone else relates, like putting tickets online feels vulnerable now in a way that it didn't before because the experience of having to cancel is just even when it's not quote unquote your fault. Sometimes I blame myself. Um, it it's it's still really hard, right? It's like what if something comes part of me was like you know what if people uh there's a there's a war happening so um it's possible that people don't want to spend the gas money to get to studio city to see me by april i actually was trying to open in march but omicron was so stressful that i did push it back even just another month out of you know out of anxiety yeah so we're um, opening the 8th through the 23rd right now, and uh, there's 7 p.m.s and 9 p.m.s on Fridays and Saturdays. When there are Sundays, we've got a 2 and 4, so some matinee experiences if people fancy uh, a matinee. We do have a parking uh, garage that is free, uh, There's so you don't have to stress about parking at Voice Tracks West, which is really nice. You can even park your car at Voice Tracks and then walk to get a cocktail and I can tell you where to go. Um, so, you know, there's just... Make a, little, make a little night of it. Yeah, you, yeah. Could, you, could, you could do that um, if you fancy. Uh, and so we... Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's interesting. I live living in New York for so long and then coming to LA during a pandemic experience. And, you know, Noah, you and I were talking about how hard it is to sort of... Um, I think more than ever, like people anyway, were hella busy. There's so much going on. And kind of finding my way into sort of the L.A. Um, community is uh, something that I really want to do. And uh, I've found often the best way to do that is to share your work. And so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm excited for the chance to get to do that again. All right. Siobhan, every day I hope, uh, every day I'll hope. Mm-hmm. 8th through the 23rd on the weekends there in Studio City. And uh, for those who uh, are hearing this and are who haven't checked it out last time, uh, give it a whirl. It's good. Uh, Noah, thanks again, as always, for um, for having me and for sharing your space with um, all of us creators, uh, big and small. I really, as a small one, I, um, I appreciate your advocacy and um, your friendship. Thank you. <laughs> And that's the show this week. I want to thank Amy and Siobhan for being our guests. And of course, Catherine for delivering the news. Uh, We've got a busy month ahead of us here at No Persinium. Of course, the book club is in effect and we're reading Laura Hall's Planning Your Escape. Uh, the, uh, the meeting of the book club is going to happen in our Discord on the 12th. We have a couple of AMAs that we're lining up, including one with the creative team from Thicket. And there'll be, of course, a bunch of reviews and maybe a couple of features happening this month as well, uh, kicking things off uh, as we we move into a deeper part of spring and yes uh we're starting to look at some of the in-person events as well have a couple of announcements in the next few weeks uh of some exciting stuff happening in more than one city what yeah 
That's right. More than one city this time out. So keep your, uh, keep your eyes on our feeds for all of that. Uh, all right. Um, let's thank the people who help us do this show. That would be our sustaining backers. Uh, they generously support us at patreon.com slash no proscenium. Indeed. That is still, <laughs> the, 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 I laugh because it's our only source of income and that terrifies me. So patreon.com slash no proscenium. Thank you to everyone who uh, provides us with sustenance. Our sustaining backers are Ari Herstand, Chris Woolman, Eric Shamlin, Deborah Robinson, Elaine J. Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, David Basick, Lonnie Hanson, Mark Baltazar, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all so much. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, plenty to come. Uh, this is this is a shockingly short episode, given that we had two really good interviews. So sometimes it just goes by like that. Next week on the show, going to have some more fun for you. Uh, I got to visit in person with some of the team behind Supernatural, the VR exercise uh, software program, service plan everything that uh, I enjoy so much uh, got to talk with both Leanne and Johnny who we've had on the show before, but who I never met in person. So uh, very much a lot of fun that's coming up. It's a good, good conversation. And uh, yeah, I can't wait till you hear it. And we've got a couple other things uh, in the planning cycle and a few other things already in the can. So yeah, going to be a good, going to be a nice little uh, April here. Happy April, everybody. Rabbit, rabbit. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> I got to do the actual credits. I was all ready to go. The associate, pro- I'm leaving that in. The associate producer for No Persinium is Parker Sella. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. Catherine Yu does our headlines and is the executive editor here at No Pro. And this podcast uh, and everything that's wrong with it is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, that's what happens. Thank you for wearing the mask. 